Welcome to another episode of Nearly Verified. I'm your host, Matt Puglisi, and I'm trying to do something a little bit new here with the pre-recorded intro, so we will see how that goes. But I want to shout out the podcast sponsor for this episode, which is Blue Springs Lighting and Irrigation. They've got you or any of your family's irrigation and landscape lighting needs covered. They work out of Niagara and Muskoka, so I'll have their info in the description. But shout out to Dan Wilms, shout out to his team for wanting to support. Uh, we really appreciate you guys, so thank you for that. Today we have on Mark Metry, who is a phenomenal dude that has accomplished a ton at the age of 23. He is on Amazon Prime's TV docuseries, The Social Movement, attempting to solve some of the world's biggest problems. Mark is also the host of the global top 100 podcast called Humans 2.0. It's featured by Forbes, Nasdaq, and Yahoo Finance as the top 21 growing podcasts you must listen to in 2019. Mark's show has been listened to over 10 million times and features the greatest leaders of our time. He frequently converses with billionaires, professional athletes, and New York Times best-selling authors as a shortlist. In 2013, he started the world's number one Minecraft server and as a result was earning six figures at the age of 15. Once upon a time though, he couldn't make direct eye contact with anyone and suffered from social anxiety, health issues, and feeling woefully unfulfilled. It's for this reason and the fact that many others go through life feeling like this that Mark decided to write and publish a book called Screw Being Shy. It's currently available on Amazon if you want to check it out. This book is a guide on how to manage social anxiety and be yourself in front of anyone. I just want to say that uh, this conversation was awesome. Mark is a super genuine, down-to-earth guy. We dig into some of these issues that are found in his book. Um, I recently finished it before I interviewed him, so it was very fresh in my mind. But um, yeah, Mark was an awesome conversation to have. Thank you so much if you're listening, Mark, for hopping on. And uh, yeah, hope you enjoy. Cool. Well, welcome to episode five of the Nearly Verified podcast. My name is Matt Puglisi, and today I have on Mark Metri. I uh, cannot say how happy I am to have you on this podcast today. I'm nervous, excited, and uh, just looking <laughs> forward to having some cool conversations. Um, yeah. yeah, man. Dude, thank you for inviting me. And um, yeah, I can't wait to uh, share this, this, uh, this platform that you're creating with someone who's similar to my age. So I appreciate it, man. Yeah, of course, man. Um, so just finished reading your book, Screw Being Shy. Absolutely loved it. Um, it was, it's made me actually want to take some tangible actions in my life and change certain aspects of my life. Um, the book is so authentic and factual, but also pretty emotional and funny at times. Um, <laughs> like one thing that just like stands out that I literally laughed out loud was when you're like, sometimes I need to face my fears that have been lingering in my life. So at one point I went out and I got a pink shirt, pink hat, and I'm just walking around and, you know, I'm just like living out my fear of, you know, being noticed and being like, and, like standing out in my head and like not one person said anything to you about your, like your outfit. So that kind of goes to show that yeah, a lot of the time it's in your head, but, uh, yeah, man, no, I honestly love the book. Peels back a lot of the layers of your life that impact your mental health and social anxiety and gives you tangible things that you can implement into your life, um, which I really hope to get into because, um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm hoping to put some of those into action and hopefully people that are listening can do that. So, yeah, man, I think uh, just start That's off awesome. with, thank you, man, thank you. Um, I think I'm just gonna start off with, since like the book's so fresh in my mind, why was it, why was writing screw being shy so important to you? Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, it's super interesting because I was actually working on a totally different book before I started writing screw being shy. And, um, you know, I, I definitely know I'm the kind of person who is going to write many books. I'm actually working on a different one right now, which we can, we can get into, but, um, I just, you know, I personally feel like for me, I had a lot of problems that I faced growing up from poverty to racism, to issues with my health, physical and mental to, to, uh, to so many issues. But I think for me, like one of those main issues that I really faced with my entire life that I felt like never really left me was social anxiety. Like this feeling that wherever you go, you feel like you want to be social. You feel like you want to say something. But then just for some reason, your brain is like holding you back. And 
I genuinely believe that social anxiety is probably one of the biggest like meta problems that affects so many industries, so many groups of people, especially people our age. And I was lucky enough to like break out of that despite, you know, among the many issues that I've been able to go through social anxiety was just like a, it was like a big one. It was like sitting in the nexus. And so I remember just like speaking at events and people coming up to me and, and, and like just repeatedly seeing pe- people who are super shy, maybe a little bit too introverted. Uh, they, they stutter, they can't really make direct eye contact with me come up to me and say like, yo, how did you go from someone who really faced like crippling social anxiety for most of your life to being able to, you know, like go up on a stage and talk about your story in front of hundreds of people. Um, and so I just saw that same kind of person come up to me again and again. And it was almost just like looking at like a, like a younger version of myself. So I was like, yo, I just need to write this book to be able to like give out there to people who experience this issue because, um, you know, from someone like you've read the book, you know, it's not exactly like a simple solution. It's not like step one, step two, step three, there's a lot of different layers. And I did, and I know I didn't want to write a book that, you know, even just showed like what you can do practically, but I really wanted to write a book that kind of shows the big picture and like the root cause and teaches people, how do you heal? from the ground up. So that's why I wrote, I decided to write it. And I know I'm going to write a lot of books, but I was like, social anxiety, you got to like cross that one off the list first. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. And it's, it is super inspirational. Like the story from start to finish, like your story, let alone the book. Um, and I guess kind of in terms of tackling like the big rocks or the hard things in your life, there's a quote from your book. Um, and it's basically not verbatim, but if you can, you know, realize your habits aren't beneficial long-term, um, you can probably pinpoint that you have some toxic habits, but like nobody in society really wants to like sit down and do those hard things. You know, why, why sit down and reflect when, you know, it's 12 o'clock and you have to have lunch or why right. like sit down and do the hard things when it's seven, you can go to the bar with your buddies and have a drink. Like it's, it, it takes most people to have like, a life-changing moment to surrender. Um, so in your opinion, yeah. like what are some ways people can avoid waiting for that life-changing moment in order to start tackling those hard things? Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, it's super interesting, man. So the general way that I see self-development and, and like everything that we're talking about is I think, you know, generally speaking, there's two kinds of people. There's the one kind of person who, you know, had issues in their life like we all have issues had issues growing up and um you know had like a traumatic set of experiences and just kind of like did whatever you know may may have had some like half and half life had some bad moments had some good moments and for you know for the most part that is really how a human being gets formed you know, like when, like from what you've done to zero to 18, um, you know, that predicts a lot of your behavior. You know, I definitely think that people can change for sure, but it's extremely hard. And oftentimes what you'll see is as you begin to learn more about this stuff and, and you just go out there in the world, like I'm sure you have, you know, you start to see like these adults who are really just big kids, who are really just kids who are just bigger and that could be your boss, that could be your parents, that could be whatever it is. And you really just see how people never really grow past those early coping mechanisms. And usually people don't change unless they have some other traumatic event that then causes them to be like, whoa, what the hell just happened? I gotta, oh my God, I don't know anything. I gotta change everything. Oh, I thought I knew this, but then it's actually that. Um, so I was definitely in that category of, uh, had some traumatic moments early on and then just kind of like did whatever and then had another traumatic moment that enabled me to change. However, there are some people who, you know, start off in life and they, you know, I'm sure they experienced some sort of a traumatic event. Everyone kind of does, but you know, they, they have good parents, good parents that are able to teach them the right things uh, and actually parent them well. 
and, um, and, and, you know, they're able to be introduced to, you know, various mentors, various role models, various leaders, people around them that they grew up seeing, you know, their parents taught them to take care of their health. They, they've learned how to take care of their health at a young age. I found that a lot of people in that scenario, you know, are on a more sort of incremental path to growth where, you know, at age 12, they learn this at age 14, they learn these coping skills at 16, a role model teaches them this, they join the baseball team, whatever they learn these. And so, you know, I don't, I don't know like what percentage, you know, the human population is in. I know I was definitely in a moment where I never even thought about growing until I had no choice. And I was sort of at my rock bottom. And so if you look at it from that perspective, obviously you definitely want to be on the path where you're just incrementally growing. Um, because the truth is like, for example, for someone like me in my scenario, you know, for me to eventually change my life, it took me to becoming obese, eventually being suicidal, uh, having pretty serious depression and social anxiety transforming into social isolation. And so personally, that, 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 that's like, for me, that's like what was needed. And like a lot of people, they look at me and they're like, all oh, right, you know, you changed your life and all these different things. And it's just like, no, no, no. Like you, you just, you just reach a breaking point where you're like, wow, if I keep going on this route, I'm going to uh, be a statistic. And so I'm grateful that I didn't really have anybody around my life to teach me a lot of like the things that I talk about now, because if I did, then there's no way I would be at the level of success that I'm at now because I needed like that, that motivational push. And like now that's like forever buried in my head that I'm never going to forget that. Um, and so to answer your question, um, I think the biggest things that people can do are literally just like, what does a human being have to do? And if you look at what a human being has to do, you can break it down into basically like, five or six things okay number one is and i'm talking about has to i'm not saying like it is a luxury a human being has to sleep right like you have to sleep you don't have a choice right a human being has to breathe you don't really have a choice right like you could try not to but you probably die or you probably pass out uh, a human being has to eat right a human being has to drink um a human being has to talk to other people um, and a human being has to think maybe you could throw in feel too but I'd say group in the same thing and so if you look at like those six basic actions that every single person does every single day that is like the simplest way to get someone to understand growth is literally just try your best in all these so it's like okay let's go back to the first one sleep okay so that does not mean you know, you staying up until 2 a.m. and then waking up at 7 a.m. and then crashing in the middle of the day. That's not, that's not what I'm talking about when it comes to optimal sleep. Um, when it comes to breathing, you know, a lot of us haven't really been taught how to breathe. And, uh, and believe it or not, I'm actually working on a, um, an updated version uh, of Screw Being Shy. And um, I added a subsection to a chapter, and it's for breathing, for your breath. And so a lot of us haven't really been taught our breath. And so if you, if that's something that you're not even conscious of, you should just start thinking about that because a lot of us just don't think about it. But when you actually look at it, you're like barely breathing. You're like, you'll stop for 30 seconds. And then all of a sudden you'll take a very shallow breath, like, and then you'll notice that, you know, whenever someone is nervous, whenever someone is jittering, their breath is like, and so regulating your breath is one of the greatest ways to regulate your mental state. And so third one is your food. You know, I wrote like basically an entire chapter on this. And so it's like, hey, you got to make sure that you're eating as a human being has been created, whether you believe in God or the universe or natural selection or, or the ecosystem, whatever, or mother nature. It's like, hey, the same way that when you go to a park and it says, hey, don't feed any of the ducks or the geese any, any food. It's because it, it, it destroys the ecosystem. And so when us humans, when we eat things that we just naturally weren't meant to, that destroys the ecosystem inside of us. 
Same thing with drinking. You know, if you're drinking too much alcohol, you're drinking various uh, drinks that are not water or are not things that are natural. That destroys you. Um, if you don't know how to talk to people, if you have problems in your thinking, all that stuff is going to mess up everything else that you do. And so what I tell people is like, if you look at those basic six things, that is the way that you are going to take actions in those six categories every single day that eventually over time is going to put you on the path and the journey for like healing yourself. And it's like those very basic things. Maybe you could add one or two extra ones, but like at a very basic level, it's those things. And so oftentimes what, you, what like what ends up happening, Matthew is, okay, I laid out those six buckets, but then people will, let's say they'll just like, they'll just like read a book <laughs> and they'll read a book and then be like, oh, wow. Oh my God. I learned so much about my mindset. I learned so much about that. I learned so much about this. I learned so much about that. Then they don't do anything. They don't change their behavior. They listen to podcasts. They still don't change their behavior. And they like know all these things in their head, but they don't really do them and they don't ever change. And they're like, oh, you know, next time someone brings up like, oh, you know, I, I really got my mental health together by, you know, eating healthy and changing my diet. They'll listen to that and be like, oh, I already read a book about that. I, I didn't, you know, even though I didn't really do that, that, that doesn't work for me. That's not the right fit for me. And so a lot of the times, it is literally this basic. And what happens is our ego comes in and it tries to put up like this wall, this defense mechanism of like, mm, hey, you know what? Should you really read that book? Should you really do that? Because I read this review online that said it kind of sucked. Or, you know, should you really follow that diet? Because there's so many diets out there and it, you know, it could just destroy your body. There's so many different excuses. There's so many different uh, defense mechanisms that our mind has to get us to not change who we were defaulted to be. And so fundamentally, it's about breaking that through these six buckets, through these six avenues every single day, regardless whether you are depressed, a healthy, an accountant, a marketer, it, it all applies to us because we're all humans. Yeah, man. No, absolutely. I think something, ah, something that really struck a note there, or struck a chord, is that a lot of people understand that these, um, like these habits would, you know, help them long-term with their mental health, with their physical health. And I am completely guilty of this, man. I read your book Me and too. I'm like, <laughs> like, it's just it, like, we're creatures of habit. And when you already have habits that aren't like helping you, it's, it's hard to break. So me, yeah, for me, one of them is like, oh, like my eating is terrible and my sleeping was not very good. So I'm reading this book and I know, and I know that I need to get more sleep. And I know I need to treat my body better, but something that really, I guess, helped with some of that process is the activities at the end of your chapters are scattered throughout your book. Cause you'll be reading it. And if you just read a book and there's no application, you're like, okay, great. I know what I have to do, but I'm not like, I'm not going to try. So the fact that you kind of have those tangible things that you can sit down and try for half an hour or whatever, 15 minutes. Um, I, I really love that. And man, like, I, I eat like trash and I can feel it. Like, I can feel it in my, in my energy levels. And yeah, like this summer, especially being at home and just having time to oh soup gosh. in my thoughts, like sleep is one that I've like leveled up before I read your book, before I really got into your stuff, sleeping, I've been so much better at, and I could feel myself being more healthy. And I don't necessarily have like crippling social anxiety, but I have a lot of unconscious habits and unconscious I guess like aspects of my life that are not helping me. They're bringing me down. So yeah. man, like one thing in your book, just like how authentic and raw it is. And it just says, sometimes you need to wake up. Like you need to really self-reflect and see what is helping you and what is tearing you down. And that is like, it's hard to do, but so, so valuable, which I love. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. And, um, and you know, the reality that I think everyone needs to understand is that like, anxiety is a totally natural mechanism that every single person has. And anxiety is literally the mechanism that has literally made humans humans. Like every single thing in our society has been created due to anxiety, not entirely, but it's definitely been a trigger. You know, the, you know, what, what made someone, you know, like, I don't know, invent some kind of medicine, 
was them getting anxious, like, oh my God, people are going to die from this disease. Or, um, you know, an entrepreneur starting their business is like, oh my God, I'm anxious because I can't, I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills in six months or I don't, I don't know what this is. And so I think step one is just realizing that that's totally normal. That is like part of the, the engine that is going to move you. And so the next step becomes like, hey, if I know this is going to happen, what is the best way that I can manage this so that it doesn't screw me up too much? And I think the big reality is that like, you know, we're all going to feel human emotions from sadness to shame, to feeling alone, to feeling depressed, to feeling anxious. And that's totally normal. Every single person feels these emotions. The real obstacle is when you try to avoid feeling those emotions and you tell yourself like, hey, I read Mark's book and I'm like, uh, uh, whatever, I'm, I'm fixing my diet, I'm sleeping well, I'm meditating, I'm doing these exercises, but I, you know, I, I just kind of felt anxious yesterday. Um, and the truth is, is that's just totally natural. It's totally normal. You know, I think the biggest thing that what I would say to you uh, in terms of advice is I think it's all about looking at your pain from the perspective of like, as a human, we all have like, we all have existential pain for being a, a living, breathing creature on planet earth. It's, it's totally natural. And we go through these cycles. We go through these thoughts you know, like I said in the book, the average person has 60,000 thoughts a day. We go through all these emotions. We're interacting with other people's emotions. We have environmental factors from the food to our sleep that we go in. And so a lot of times what ends up happening is you have to look at your behavior when you're in pain. So for example, what I mean by that is like, you know, you are working on a project for your job. And, and, you know, you, you're working, it's been like 40 minutes, you, you know, you've been productive, you're focused, you're going. And then all of a sudden the project, you know, you, you glance out, you look at your email and you check your email and maybe you get, you know, a, a not so great email from a coworker complaining about how you did this job last week, but it sucks and you need to redo it. And then you're like, oh my God, I need to do so much work. And then if, if I don't have time to do that, then I, then, and then I have that, then I have this date that I'm going on tonight with my girlfriend and all these different things. And a lot of the times, all of a sudden you can be triggered and you're like, wow, what am I going to do? Like, this is so much work. I don't, like I, I, I suck. I can't sit down. You know, you start to work back on the project. You're stuck. You, you, your brain isn't really being creative. Um, and then I think it's what you do in that moment is what I would begin to look at in terms of like, okay, you may get up and go to the fridge and, you know, get like a, like, I don't know, like a, a Snickers bar. You might get a pint of ice cream. You might, you know, you know, whip out your jewel and, and take a hit of a vape. You might, you know, there's a thousand different things that you can do. And at the end of the day, the big thing to realize is that like that pain is going to happen for the most part, no matter what, but it's how you decide to deal with that. And like, that's how you can become aware of a lot of your coping mechanisms. These toxic habits that we talked about, they may not know of. It's like, what do you do when you're confused? What do you do when you feel lonely? What do you do when you feel hungry? What do you do when you feel sad, uh, angry? When you look at all these things, then you're like, oh yeah, I do go to the kitchen and I do this thing, or I do take out this thing and I smoke it, or I do drink this thing, or I do that, that. And then so first step one is like having that awareness. And then what it's then about is, it's about switching those, or trying to switch those negative unconscious habits, or maybe you are conscious of them with good ones, right? And so this, the mistake that a lot of people do is like, okay, they, they've gotten this far, they understand what I'm saying, you know, they catch themselves like, Hey, you know, before, you know, when I get out of work and let's say work stresses me out and I leave the office at five o'clock, you know, I, I'm going to go to the McDonald's drive through and just slam down, you know, a big Mac and Coke and fries, because that is the way that I have dealt with pain throughout my life. And then you look back to like your history and you're like, Oh, you know, when I comes to think that that's actually how 
my dad also uh, dealt with pain and that's how he also dealt with uncertainty or, or my friend or my sister or this or that. And so a lot of the times we're sort of taught these things unconsciously by the people around us. And that's, you know, that's not good or bad. That's not a moral decision, but what most people do is they get that far and they're like, okay, what I need to do is just remove this habit. What I need to do is just not eat the Snickers bar. What I need to do is just not go to the drive-thru. And oftentimes what you end up seeing is, you know, maybe they become successful for like a day, two days, three days, four days, five days, six days, seven days. And then what happens is, you know, classic law of human nature and desire, you know, you, you pull back that elastic rubber band, you keep pulling it, pulling it, pulling it, pulling it. After a week, the tension is too strong. And then, yeah, boom. And so really the key is to swap these things out. And so, for example, um, you know, like I talk about it in, in my book of like, you know, I was addicted to ice cream. And, um, and the way that I solved that was by buying frozen fruit and coconut cream and making my own ice cream at, at my house. Or it was, you know, going to the grocery store to like the, the organic health foods grocery store and trying to see if they have a kind of ice cream that's actually healthy. And I, I do know one by the way, it's called Keto. The brand is literally called Keto. It's, it's, it is Keto, but it's, it's like some dope ice cream on a side note. Um, so that's really what it's about. You know, for example, I had, a, I had problems with like, um, you know, like catching myself in this downwards loop where I'd be focusing, I'd be hustling, I'd be productive. And then all of a sudden I would get that interesting email or all of a sudden I would be faced with a problem at work and I'm like, oh, I don't know how to solve this. I'm confused, lost. And so then I would do, you know, what X, you know, pick, pick your negative coping mechanism that I would do. Um, and, um, and like the way that I deal with that now is through a few different things, you know, now I go for a lot of walks, you know, I find that, um, you know, being someone who has ADD tendencies, uh, I need stimulus. I need physically moving. It's very hard for me to sit down and to just do something. And so for me, what I've learned is like, um, what I'll do is um, like, if I have a ton of meetings, like meetings that are not like this, where I have to be like on a video or like podcast, where they're just like meetings that I can take on my phone. What I'll do is I'll just um, schedule them all in a row. And then I'll go for a, a walk. I'll go for uh, I, I'll, go, I'll go for a walk and I'll take them all outside while I'm walking and it helps my mind focus. And so really it's just about switching the negative coping mechanisms with good coping mechanisms. And you have to try. And, and like the reality is that um, everyone still struggles with this. You know, I still have bad days. Um, I still have bad moments. You know, I have still have times where, um, you know, I get caught up in these cycles too. And so I think it's super important to understand that, you know, we're all human. We all go through these emotions, but you have to look at, you know, what do you do when you're in pain? What do you do when you're confused? What do you do when you're lonely? What do you do when you're in these states of mind where you feel pressured, you feel agitated? And um, if you can look at that, identify and become aware of what you're doing, which is generally speaking uh, like a bad coping mechanisms and, and learn, do your own research and figure out what's something that I can do to replace this, then what you'll find is that it's a lot easier. Uh, these, these, these coping mechanisms help keep your pain more relaxed and stressed and so on. And it makes you just overall, like makes it easier to be a happy person who's, who's actually more productive and focused. So, you know, that's what it's all about. That's why like every, every like CEO who has like so much pressure does like CrossFit or like runs marathons or like meditates or does like meditation retreats, like all like the crazy things that you hear about. And it's just like, they just find coping mechanisms. And, and like the truth is, is that there's no such thing as a, as a perfect coping mechanism. So you may do something, you may try like yoga and, um, and you, you know, there's two things to keep in mind when it comes to like trying to find these. One of them is like, it's going to seem unnatural. You know, if you, if you're doing anything for the first time, it's always going to seem unnatural. Um, and so there's always like that learning curve at the beginning. So hopefully that doesn't stress you out. Um, 
But then also what I would say is, you know, let's say you do yoga and you realize that, you know, yoga is just not for you, you know, but then you pick up, but then you start running. Um, And then you also have to keep in mind that even though you, if you find like the perfect coping mechanism for you, you're still going to experience pain. (laughs) You're you're still going to have sucky moments and don't think that like, Hey, if I, if I meditate for 20 minutes, all of my problems in my life are going away. Or if I drink like this, this green shake, this green smoothie, all my thoughts are going to go away. Um, and so, yeah. And and like, you know, your comments on, um, on food and you eating like crap, you know, honestly, man, I think out of all the things that I did, changing my food was the thing that probably brought me the most results. Like out of anything, it probably brought me the most because like, you know, it's one thing to, it's one thing to, um, and like, they're all connected by the way, you know, it's one thing to sleep well. It's one thing to read a book. It's one thing to like conquer your fears. But the reality is, is like food is basically your lifeline, right? Like if you think about it, why do we eat? You literally eat so that, you know, you open your mouth, you put food down there, your, your stomach, your, your saliva glands, your gut microbiome, they digest it, they process it so that it can give fuel information to your cells in your body, to your organs. And so I think a lot of us, um, a lot of us just throughout the years, especially because of the amount of money that corporations put into advertising have just been taught that like, Hey, food is this thing that you eat when you're hungry so that you feel good. And that's just so far away from the truth. And the reality is, is that food, you know, it's like that classic example of like, you know, it's like that classic story of like, Hey, if you are given, you know, the world's best Bugatti, you're given the world's best Ferrari car. And instead of putting in like, you know, premium gasoline or whatever you you put in, you put in Kool-Aid and like Oreos. <laughs> the reality is, is like, even if you have literally been given the bet, the world's best car, the car is going to crash and tank and suck. And so honestly, I think out of all the things I did, food was one of those bi- things that just changed my baseline in a sense of like, it changed my default at all times during the day, you know? And like, you know, I wrote it in the book, but like something that I've been doing is, uh, Shit, I hope this doesn't spill. I have a I have a shake in there. And like that's just a very easy way that you can eat a ton of fruits, vegetables, other things without really tasting them, just like drinking them and just like getting nutrients down to get nutrients down. And um, you know, it's like such a significant difference. Uh, you know, like the last thing that I'll say is um, you know, I'm a I'm a big fan of music and um uh, <laughs> a couple of my favorite music artists for example, like uh, Logic or Big Sean, you know, these, like, these rappers, I think, are, are conscious rappers for, for the most part. Um, and, uh, and a lot of them have gone through mental health struggles. And a lot of them have talked about, hey, when I changed my diet, everything changed. And so honestly, I like wrote this in like a, in like a LinkedIn post a long time ago or like an article or something. But I said, like, if someone walks up to me and they're like, hey, Mark, I have anxiety. Uh, I'm, I'm facing, you know, um, mental health issues. The first thing that I'm going to ask them is, what are you eating? Because honestly, in, in the research I lay out in the book, uh, through the various things, that's like one of the most important things that I could possibly say because it's, it's so important. Yeah, man. It fuels you. Every, everything you do, it's, it's your source of energy. And uh, it's true, man. Like, I think something really interesting that you said was, um, there's almost this misconception when you're trying to like better yourself. And it's that some of these tips in your book, it'll be like a, a one and done. You'll remove that negative, whatever it is from your life. And it's almost like, uh, okay, I love that rubber band, uh, like metaphor or whatever, like that example, because if you're not actively trying to replace those things and trying to find like the most healthy output for that, um, it's just going to come right back in your life. So I love that. Um, there's also some other things in your book that I thought were super interesting, like in terms of just building routine. And I think building routine amongst like high performing people is a constant. And another 
like element of that routine is meditation, which I actually just talked to Sam Lister and he was talking to me about meditation and I've never really tried it because something about like sitting in your thoughts seems a little bit daunting, but I loved, like loved, loved a quote from your book. And this is like motivated me to want to try it. I'm going to try it. Um, but it says meditation is not supposed to be a peaceful activity. Like you're floating on top of the clouds. Meditation is essentially the gym for your brain. Uh, and when you go to the gym and work out and sweat, you come back after and shower, you feel good. That's also what happens after you meditate. It's going to suck in the moment. It's a wash for your brain, a bicep curl, a reset button. And for the rest of the day, you might feel better and have more conscious awareness, which I thought was like the dopest thing. Yeah. Um, like, a, like such a cool way to put it because meditation has never really been something I was interested in. But the fact that it's not supposed to be easy, like you're going to have a million thoughts like rattling around in your brain and that's what is supposed to happen. Um, yeah. So that was what I was worried about and the kind of going through that section of your book was reassuring because I'm like, okay, I can barely sit for one minute without like going on my phone or without like checking this or doing this or moving like it's hard, man. So that this really motivated me. So first of all, thank you for that. Um, But um, yeah, man, maybe just in terms of like your routine and meditation, like what, uh, like what kind of got you on the right path there and like, how did you start versus where you are now? Yeah, it's so interesting. Um, it's so interesting because, uh, because yeah, I was going to say like, yeah, it definitely should be daunting, you know, to, to sit in your, in your own thoughts. And, um, you know, I, I don't know if you ever heard of this, but um, like many, many years ago when there were protests going on in, in China, and there's still protests going on in China, um, there's like, there was like this very famous image of this guy. I believe he was a monk like wearing orange robes who sat in the middle of some like Chinese square and he set himself on fire. I don't know if you ever saw this, but there's maybe like in the middle of the street type thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. exactly it. Yeah. It was like, this, it was like, it's like one of the craziest photos. And I was like, Oh my God, how? And so, you know, I actually read this book by, uh, by Mark Manson and he actually talked about how meditation is just like that. <laughs> and meditation is like literally sitting in this fire where you close your eyes, you, you know, there's many different forms of meditation, but one of the most simplest ones is just trying to be alive in the present moment of the perspective of like, you know, like your, like your breath is the only thing that is the one constant in the present moment. You know, your thoughts can take you to the past or the future because in our minds we are imagination masters and we can summon crazy ass worlds to jump in and live in for temporary periods that may give us anxiety or depression. And so if you're able to just sit down and close your eyes and literally just breathe and then just focus like, okay, obviously you're not talking about this out loud, but you're saying it in your head of like, you know, okay, that was my breath. Okay. It's going out and that's going in, it's going out. Literally in the present moment, that's all you do. What you'll notice is when you try to do that, all of a sudden you're going to have like 10,000 thoughts come at you like an army from all sides. They're going to be like, yo, yo, actually, man, listen, if you stop meditating right now, you could get up and you could go to your work and you could be way more productive right now if you just get up and stop meditating. Hey, dude, you know, you, yo, you actually forgot to write something down on your to-do list. You really have to open your eyes and go to your to-do list and write things down, which would probably get you sucked up in some other thing. Or, dude, you really have to text. You really have to check your Twitter, your email. Oh, but what if you get this? Oh, but, you know, dude, you, you kind of suck and um, everyone hates you. And, um, you know, your your parents don't really, I mean, there's a thousand different things that'll happen. Um, and like, that's, that's literally the entire game. And it's like literally trying to sit in that fire. And every time that happens, the real bicep curl is you being able to realize that you went off track and just be like, oh, wow, I'm thinking about what I'm going to eat for breakfast. I don't even know how that just happened because I told myself that I'm going to sit down and think about my thoughts. That's totally fine. That's totally natural. Let me just try to get back to, to the meditating. And so every time you do that, that's, that's the bicep curl. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I just, I'm glad that that resonated with you in the book because, you know, I've only heard that from very few people and almost all of my friends 
And a lot of them are in the like self-improvement space. A lot of them are like, dude, I've never heard that about meditation. I thought that meditation was some peaceful thing that you should do. And it's like calms you down. No. And, and you know, one other thing that I've really learned about meditation is, um, you know, I think the, the first two weeks that I meditated, some crazy, crazy stuff happened. Um, and what I mean was, you know, I was meditating, uh, but to be honest with you, I don't, um, I definitely struggled with it, but to be honest with you, meditation for me was not that, that, that hard because I was already super motivated. And so I just knew I needed to do it, but I remember meditating. I just, I just like kind of did it just to like do it. And I did it for like two weeks. And I remember at the end of those two weeks and I, I kept going, but at the end of those two weeks, I remember just like, I literally felt like my entire life was falling apart in front of me. And that's because, you know, our mind and our self-esteem and our confidence and the way that we think, it's basically like a bridge. Okay. And what, you know, a bridge is not just like, it's not just like a, a road. It's not just it's like a plank, just like lying there, right? There, there are support systems, right? There are beams that are going to hold up the bridge from the bottom. And so when you begin to meditate, you begin to realize like, wow, when I sit down and my brain goes crazy, what you're going to start to realize too is that some of these thoughts that come up to you again and again and again, sometimes, and this may sound weird if you, if you don't meditate, but you're going to be like, oh, okay, those are my thoughts. That's just like my mind. And a lot of the times what ends up happening is when you meditate regularly, you start to realize like, oh, wait, that thought that just popped up, that's actually not mine. I actually don't even believe that. But yet my mind believes that. And so like personally for me, you know, I faced um, like in the book I talk about, I faced a lot of racism and bullying. And one of the things that I found out was that my mind had been storing this information that people had told me that were racist bastards to people who bullied me to people who didn't really want to see me succeed. And my mind had just heard those so often that it took it and internalized it. And what happened is it made it one of those beams on my bridge of life. Yeah. And so what begins to happen is when you meditate, you begin to realize that's BS and you're like, Oh crap. Okay. Let me remove this beam. And then, you know, you, you start to, to meditate and meditate and then, you know, you get another thought that, um, that maybe, you know, maybe it's something that your parents taught you and, and you're like, oh, wow, that's actually a BS. Like, that's not right for me. Or whether it's something that your religion or your culture taught you, you're like, that's BS. That's not mine. But yet it was controlling your entire life and it was very much dictating your self-esteem and your confidence. And so what begins to happen is all of the support beams I'm sure some of them are still going to be there. A lot of them, all of a sudden they just collapse, or I guess it depends on, on the kind of person you are. And, and like, for me, it felt like everything collapsed. Everything got destroyed. Every, um, every belief that I thought I had about life, meditation showed me that that was BS. And so all of a sudden you're living in this life, what feels like for the first time, and you don't have these beliefs anymore and you don't have, you know, you still have these thoughts, but you realize that they're not yours and therefore they're not true. And, you, and once you realize something is not true, you can no longer look at life the same way. And so, you know, this is known as the, uh, it's known as the highlighter effect. And um, I, uh, I remember, um, I remember like going through this and I had no idea that this was a real thing until literally like two years later, talking to like more experienced meditators and like, oh yeah, you went through that same thing too. Oh, I thought I was just going crazy. But like, that's a totally normal thing. And it just goes to show you the power of, of meditation. The last thing that I want to say is that, um, you know, I think meditation and the act of meditating is very similar to an ocean. And what I mean is, you know, when you go to the beach and you look at the water, what you'll realize is that there's a wave that comes crashing and there's another wave and then there's another wave and there's another wave and there's another wave and there's another wave. And then depending on if it's low tide or high tide, those waves may be smaller. Those waves may be bigger. That is how the human mind works. And so essentially what happens is we sometimes forget that we sometimes take our thoughts so personally, right? Like for example, you, 
you know, you're in that scenario, you're working and a thought tells you consciously or unconsciously that you suck, you're stupid, you're not smart enough to, to get this done. Um, you know, you, you, you're so needy when it comes to asking other people for help. And so you're like, oh my God, I actually feel this way. And then what happens is your brain then looks at your thought and it's like, oh man, this is, it starts to believe them. When you believe your thoughts, then that's when your emotions change. That's when you feel them and you take them on regardless if they're true or not. And so what meditation has really taught me was, has just taught me that the fact that my brain is like an ocean of like, it's going to be wave after wave, after wave, after wave, after wave, after wave. And so when I'm sitting down on my computer next time and I get that negative wave, I'm just like, Hey, I remember when I sat down today and meditated for 20 minutes in the morning, I saw that that is in fact the case of what human nature is in the human mind. Now, the thing is, is that everybody conceptually knows this, right? Like if you've read a book on self-development, you conceptually know what I'm talking about. Meditation is how you move past the conceptual and actually integrate it into your own life so that you can actually apply it. And so everyone, like while they're reading books, they get stuck at work, they believe their mind because they're just thinking about it. It's in la-la land, it's in thoughts. But when you meditate and you do an action, and you, you teach your brain for 20 minutes or for 10 minutes or whatever amount of time, then next time when that actually does happen to you in the middle of the day, you have a much deeper understanding, a practical understanding, not a conceptual understanding of how our thoughts work and how anxiety and stress work so that you really do keep it within the context of a wave and it's not your life ending and you yeah. are a great person and your thoughts are just thoughts. Yeah, man. I think, damn, I, I think that, <laughs> that, um, it will, first of all, very inspiring for me to start and kind of like understand what I'm getting myself into from reading the book to this like wave example, to the bridge and understanding all of these beams are like different, you know, elements. Um, but yeah, such, such a constant amongst high performing people is this ability to meditate, meditate, reflect in your thoughts and just kind of understand, you know, the world around you, which I think is super dope. Um, but Mark, I've got one more question for you, man. What makes Mark Metry, Mark Metry? Um, first thing that comes to mind is, um, so, okay, so I'll tell you. So for example, um, <laughs> when you said, when you said what you just said of like, this is a very high perform, this is a, this is a habit, a common habit that high performers do. The first thing that came to my mind was like, I'm not a high performer. I'm just Mark. Oh, come on. And, and like, well, no, I, like what I'm saying is like, I don't disagree with that. And people will call me, for example, like, um, and these things are very true of like, people will call me an author, a podcaster. I am those things. However, I am not those things from the perspective of, um, you know, I've seen a lot of people in my industry and just in general, uh, you know, build a lot of ego in what they get known for. And so for me, I always look at that from the perspective of like, if I build my ego and my identity, as a high performer, then what happens if I'm not high performing? I'll just be depressed because I'm not myself. And so I think that's probably one of the biggest things that makes me me is like, I'm not attached to being me. And that's because I have, you know, I've gone through everything that I've gone through. Um, but I don't really get attached to labels because I'm like, same thing, like the title of your show, literally the first, like, and this actually goes to why you told that of like, I don't care if I'm verified or not. I don't care if I'm a high performer or not. I don't care if I get called a meditator or not. My ego is not in those. My ego is built in um, how can I learn? How can I uh, move forward? How can I uh, teach the people I love around me the most and be there for people? And so I find that if, if you can build it in that, then it's like you don't get this. Like, for example, like people who who people who are like startup founders of like startups, um, a lot of them get attached to their startup because it's like their baby and it makes sense. But a lot of them, you know, their company takes a hit, they mentally take a hit. And that's the way it works with everything. Whether it's, you know, a girl who's like a model on Instagram, who, you know, she, you know, she has maybe, um, you know, maybe like, she, 
and this is random, but maybe she has like some kind of flare up like on her skin with like pimples. She looks at the mirror and she's like, wow, I'm depressed. I, I hate myself. Why? It's because she built an ego in being a model, in being validated by the outside world. And so I think the biggest thing for me has just been not falling into that trap. And then also realizing that by me saying, I don't want to fall into that trap, that also lets me fall into another trap. And so, yeah, it's some big game, but really I think the biggest thing that makes me me is um, my level of introspection and, and, uh, and trying to look at my ego every day and just be honest with myself. I love that. I love that answer, man. It's, it's staying true to yourself, being authentic, and that's what has gotten you to this point. Um, Mark, thank you so much for coming on here and talking to me, man. I really, really appreciate you, appreciate your time. Uh, I learned a ton and I'll get back to you on how the meditation goes because I'm sure it's going to go great. Yes. But um, yeah, man, thank you so much for being here. Dude, of course, man. Thank you for having me. You're an up and coming, uh, up and coming person and I definitely see my younger self in you and, uh, and uh, keep going. And, um, and yeah, man, feel free to reach out to me anytime. I can be a service with something and I uh, can't wait to see where you're going to go in the podcast. And, uh, and dude, listen, man, you, you did something that 99% of podcasters don't even do. And that's read the book. The amount of podcasters <laughs> who have invited me on their show and they're like, um, yo, what's the name of your book again? No, <laughs> no. All the time, all the time. And, and like, you know, that's fine. But like, you doing what you just did, you already separate yourself from 99% of most podcasters. So as long as you don't get lazy and you have the passion, you're going to be mad successful, bro. I can't wait. Can't, what was this, episode five? Or? This, is, this is five, yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm glad I got to be on episode five, man. <laughs> dude, I really appreciate that. Um, damn, that, that really gets me excited. Yeah, of course, dude. Uh, again, hit me up anytime. And um, yeah, I appreciate you. And let me know when it's up. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, uh, I'll send you a message when it's, when it's going live. All right, dude.